0: Welcome to the Northridge Church Podcast, a weekly rewind of Sunday's talk. Thanks, Melissa and uh, Logan. We we, we celebrate with you on this great accomplishment. Boy, I tell you, every time we do these celebrations, obviously I'm at a place in my life where everything I'm looking back on with a lot of nostalgia. And even even these uh, senior pictures, my goodness, uh, a lot different than my day. We just were put in front of a gray screen and uh, and got our picture taken. But now, I mean, these, these are classy pictures. I think Easton um, first hour, he was on a tractor, a John Deere tractor, and he's in front of a, Logan was in front of a of a train, that's pretty cool. Pretty cool stuff. So, uh, just want to—I would said this to Easton the first service. Say this to Logan as well: um, that um, your journey with us as a church is not over with yet, and we want to continue to pour into your life. These these next ten years of your life are going to um, be uh, what what kind of uh, sets in stone a lot of stuff that will take place in your future. So, we just want to pray that God will continue to bless you Logan and, and move in your life and, um, and uh, in these next two years truly walk with him and uh, there's no greater joy to walk with the Lord in life especially as a as a young person. So congratulate him afterwards church family um, um, if you get a chance to do so. If you have a Bible with you or a copy of scripture I invite you to turn to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. I have a uh, I love this, this book. I hope that you are enjoying it for the past several weeks as we have digging into it. And we have a couple more weeks left in this series. but Philippians is a tremendous book of encouragement. And uh, as I said, said at the very beginning when we introduced this book to you several weeks ago, um, this is not a, a letter that Paul is writing to correct some sin issue that has taken place in the church. In fact, this is the only letter that he pens to a church um, in which he is doing nothing more than encouraging um, the church and uh, and just reminiscing about the good times that he had with them, and how thankful he is for them and their partnership with the gospel. If you can sum up the book of Philippians, you could basically say it's a book full of joy. It's a book in which Paul, his heart is full. Of joy. And you would never know that because uh, as Pastor Tony kind of illustrated for us last week as he preached in chains, Paul was writing this letter as he was chained between two guards for 24-7 in a Roman dungeon, waiting his fate at the hand of Caesar. The Church of Philippi, by these words, and uh, contained in this letter would, would probably not have known that all the trials um, and testings of his faith that Paul had endured for the two years previous since he was last with them. Because, like I said, the words here are words of affirmation and words encouraging them to continue to walk in the manner worthy of being followers of Jesus Christ. And so he brings out three things. There is the gospel of Jesus Christ is central to all that we do as believers. And when the gospel of Jesus Christ is central to all that we do as believers and all that we are as believers, then it naturally produces joy in us. So the gospel produces joy. And the gospel also Paul talks about in in this book, in this letter, it also produces humility. And that's kind of what we want to focus on this morning is the subject of humility. And Paul basically uses this platform in chapter 2 to showcase the good life that one can live when you live it in true hope. Humility. So if you're there in chapter 2, we'll have it on the screen for you as well. Chapter 2, we're going to look at the verses 1-11 through 11 this morning. This is what Paul says, "...therefore if there is any encouragement in Christ, if there is any consolation of love, if there is any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in Spirit, intent on one purpose." Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves, and do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself. Taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of man. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. For this reason also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow, of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So Paul uses this part of his letter to the church of Philippi to encourage them to put on the mind of Christ and live a life of humility. Now this would have been a stunning challenge Um, from Paul to that church in Philippi because the church in Philippi lived in a culture in which to be humble was equal to being a servant. And in the Roman culture um, it is not a good thing to be classified as a servant. A servant was someone who was lowly. A servant was someone that could be abused. A servant was somebody that really didn't have any chances in life. Right? It was a lowly estate. And so for Paul to ask them to be men and women of, of humility, it was, it was something of a, of a tremendous challenge in that culture. You see, the Roman culture was the epitome of high class. But it was also a culture that was centered on, on self-love. The Romans thought so highly of themselves that they was, they, they, in their worldview, there were only two classifications of people in the world. You are either Roman or you are considered a barbarian. That was it. Either you are born a Roman and lived a Roman life, or you are simply someone who acted as a barbarian. Everything about the Roman culture was the glorification of the person. And there's a lot of similarities, right, uh, between the Roman culture and, and Paul's day 2,000 years ago and what we struggle with and what we deal with in our own American culture today. It's almost, to be honest with you, a, a mirror image of one another. You know, everything about the Roman culture uh, was about the distraction um, of mundaneness. So they, they loved the arts. They loved the theater. Um, They were engaged in sports of many kinds. Does that that sound familiar to anyone here this morning? Um, It was a culture driven by beauty. And it was a culture driven by whatever I want to do, whatever my heart wants to pursue, I will pursue at all costs. Even at someone else's expenditure, um, the Roman people wanted to fulfill what they wanted to do with their own lives. And, and listen, for the Roman culture, that meant that there was no taboo. Um, no, there's no boundaries for them that, that kind of hemmed them in um, with morality. It was basically whatever you are loving, and this comes from the, the Greek and the Hellenization of the time, whatever they wanted to do, they freely pursue, and no one, and no one was to judge them whether it was right or wrong. Does that sound familiar to anyone here this morning? And so Paul was encouraging the church to go against the cultural norm of his day, of personal glory, and to live that life of humility. And the Bible continues to shout out to us today through the writings of of Paul, but also in the writings and the 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 teachings of Jesus, to be men and women who live a life Of humility. Now, somewhere around 2012, I found I discovered this in 2013. Selfie—the term "selfie" was the number one term in the English vernacular. But somewhere around 2012, the word, the term "selfie," kind of entered into our vocabulary. But it wasn't the first time that people began to take pictures of themselves. In fact, in 1839. Uh, you, can, you can look this up on Wikipedia, 1839 the first the selfie was taken by, by a man named Robert Cornelius in, in his uh, chemistry lab. He found a way in which to take a photograph um, by himself of himself. And so in 1839 that self-portrait began and from that point forward uh, people all over the world in all generations began to take photographs of themselves. Of their existence, of the things they did. They captured events in history. And so throughout the ages, for the past uh, several hundred years, we've been able to capture what was going on um, through the lens of a camera. But I would say the past 10 years or so, um, we have taken um, that to a, a, a another level when it comes to um, self-portraits. right? And a lot of it has to do with the invention of social media. And I was just thinking, you know, about 12 years ago, 13 years ago, there really wasn't a lot of us that were connected to social media platforms. But in the past decade, they have become so much a part of our daily life that... I guarantee there's hardly anyone in this room that doesn't pick up on social media platform or hasn't yet looked at their social media platform of, of some kind before you walked into this room this morning. Maybe some of you as I'm talking this morning are looking at their uh, you know social media account. I have no idea. But it's a part of who we are today, right? And the social media platform has, has increased this, can I just say, it's increased this narcissism um, to... That is in, becoming more ingrained into our culture. There's a there's a company called Omnicor, and you can look them up on the internet. Omnicor, their whole role is to um, keep data, keep stats in regards to the social, the various social media platforms, and and to their knowledge, Instagram is the number one social media. Platform that we have. We have the big three. You have YouTube. You have Facebook. You have Instagram. I'm sure there's other Snapchat. There's other things that are out there for you. But it's Instagram that has really captivated the world. Now, now they have stats going to 2020. So up to up to this this past month in 2020, according to Omnicore, there are over one billion active accounts on Instagram. That just blows my mind. 1 billion people, I think there's what, 7 billion people on the, on the planet Earth, 1 billion people have an active Instagram account. I'm not one of them, maybe many of you are in this room. But out of that 100, that 1 billion people, 100 million plus upload pictures on a daily basis to the Instagram account. Now when you take in the Facebook, they take in the Facebook and Instagram over 250 million photos are uploaded to social media platforms every single day. That, that says there's a lot going on in the world when you can, you can upload that many pictures, right? And uh, there are pictures out there of people eating and what they eat, you know. Um, There are people that post pictures of what they're doing. They're posting pictures of who they're with. They're posting pictures of their vacation. They're posting pictures of their new cars. They're posting pictures of the things they bought on their shopping trips. Um, But the number one thing that is uploaded the most and commented most often on social media is when people post Selfies of themselves. In fact, selfies of taking the perfect selfie has gotten to become such an art form that that people are driven by the likes on Facebook, on Instagram, especially on Instagram um, regarding their self posing. Right? There are people that go into depression because they're they're not getting the likes. Um, um, YouTube is having this scenario where they're dealing with um, social media people uh, that drive social media that. Um, when they don't get a certain amount of likes, they, they go into a, a certain funk. They're calling it the um, Facebook funk. You know, we're so drawn into what are people thinking about me and about what I'm posting online for other people to see. Now, just for research purposes only, right, I, I got on YouTube uh, this past week and I, I, I started, I viewed, a, I viewed a, a, for 30 minutes. Why it took 30 minutes, I have no idea. But for 30 minutes, I watched a man eat and then rate gas uh, gas station food all right that's what I did for 30 minutes of my life and let me tell you, tell you what five minutes in I was I was with this guy I was like I can't believe it I had no idea that a burrito from 711 was so was so satisfying in life but to this man it was and he gave it a five five out of five stars and and you would think my goodness Myers you know uh, you know what what kind of person has he become well when you look down on his little account on his little YouTube um, one million other people were like Dave Myers got sucked into that vortex of gas station food and, and the importance of gas station food in life. But there are, there are literally hundreds of millions, if not billions of videos out there on things that are mundane, like gas station food, uh, things that are just awesome. You can find anything online about life on social media platform. But what, I, what, I, what I, um, I'm really concerned about is that when we are prone as the followers of Jesus to be tempted to live our lives on Instagram or Facebook or on these social media platforms in such a way that we are more interested in impressing other people than we are interested in impressing the God of our salvation. Now, before I get a lot of... Angry emojis when we post this a video online, or I don't want you, any of you, to unfriend me. You know, I need all the friends I can't have in life, even if they're Facebook friends. Don't unfriend me when I'm saying this. I don't want any of you to walk away from here this morning hearing this. Not when I'm saying this is this to post things and be active on social media, it is not sinful. In fact, I believe that there's some good things that can happen on the social media platform as we share our lives with other people. My concern is, is that when we use social media uh, for a sense of self-worth. So I, I encourage you to, to post about your life. I, I encourage you to continue to, to post photos about what you had for dinner last night. I encourage you to post photos about your vacation. I, I, I appreciate you showing photos of, of accomplishments that have happened in your life and in your, in your children's life. Because, listen, as a, as a Facebook friend of yours, if you're a Facebook friend of mine, um, I, I get a lot of joy of seeing what's happening in your life. right. That's my connection with you sometimes, it's just seeing what's going on in your life, and there's nothing wrong with that, and there's nothing sinful about that. But what, what, what happens is this, is that social media begins to lead us down a path of narcissism. One of the things I found very interesting about this Omnicore company was they said 70% of people under the age of 25 And they go from 12, which I thought was interesting, from 12 to 25. 70% um, have an Instagram account and are very active on social media platforms. So for us as parents, um, this generation that we have now and generations yet to come, they're going to become more, more connected to social media and placing their lives on social media. and, And we need to be aware of where that may lead those generations yet to come. You know, will that generation, these generations yet to come, and the generations now as teenagers, as, as young men and women, are we beginning to see a buildup of narcissism? And so what are we to do, and how are we to live as followers of Jesus in that regard? I, I want us, and I encourage us, and I think the, the Philippians chapter 2 encourages us to say no to cultural norms in order to live our lives fully devoted followers of Jesus. And listen to me, you don't have to be on social media to deal, to struggle with narcissism or to struggle with pride in your life. It, because it's just a, a part of our human condition, it's a part of our, of our fallenness into sin, right? That we have to struggle and we have to fight against our lives becoming consumed about self centeredness. And so social media, all that it does, it just blurs the lines for us in that battle um, for our heart. So how are we to live like Christ in a social media age? That, that's what I want to answer today. And I believe that, that Paul gives us two points. Now listen, I can just imagine what it would have been like if, if in Paul's day, Instagram um, was around. It would probably been pretty scary. Or may, it may be looking like something that, that we have today of just, of just people, again, so f- consumed by their own selves just posting everything around. But how are we to live in that social media age? Well, I, I want to give us two challenges and because I believe that what Paul... Paul faced and what Paul was speaking into culturally 2,000 years ago is the exact same thing, just different mechanisms, different technologies that are out there, different lifestyles that are out there, but we still struggle with these areas of pride. So the first thing, and I I, I got a little cutie, and I put everything in hashtags, right, Instagram hashtags, so there you go, that's my creativity at, at play. First of all, make caring for others a high priority in your life. Now, if you go back to verse one of Philippians two, that's where Paul Paul is beginning to say, listen, there is a direct connection with you caring for individuals as an overflow of your of your um, just engaged with. Christ and all that He's done for you. So if you're overwhelmed, if you're caught up in the, in the love of Christ, if you're caught up in just being awed by the fact that God has loved you um, through Christ, that He has saved you, that He's reclaimed your life, that He's redeemed your life, that He's given you purpose in life, if you have that and you're walking with the Holy Spirit, this is what adds to your desire or should add to your desire to, to love others better than yourself. To, to showcase and to highlight other people that God may bring into your life. In verse 1, he, he speaks, in verse 2, he speaks of being long-suffering towards others and being willing to be friendly towards other people. And I would say this, in our day and age, that's something that is missing in our culture. That we become so involved in ourselves and our own timelines and our own you know, needs that take place in our own life that oftentimes... We forget that we're not as friendly as we we used to be as a culture. We're so consumed with with the here and now and with our own situations. I would even say that that COVID has has done a lot to change us. I I feel like in this past year we we become more angry as a culture, right? And um, we're divided as a culture. You know, masks or no masks, um, Republican or Democrat. And we can't have a common conversation anymore because we're so caught up in anger. Anger kind of consumes us. And so listen, if we as the followers of Jesus kind of step into that realm in our culture where it's devoid of a lot of peace and a lot of love for one another, and we as the followers of Jesus Christ stand in the gap and say, we are going to care for others more than we care for ourselves. I believe that that's going to speak volumes to those who are far, far away from God. Now, now Paul in chapter 2 just for contextual purposes, Paul is speaking um, to us and how we care for one another within the body of Christ. And so his concern was this, is that as, as you are in love with Jesus and as, and as as Jesus and His salvation has meant so much to you, then take that and you love each other as Christ has loved you. But I also believe that you can take that a step further and you can add that to your personal evangelism to be compassionate towards other people, to be kind towards other people, to care more for other people than, than yourself, um, to, to be able to be one who wants to meet other people's needs that they see around them. I think that is an appropriate part of our personal evangelism because I believe that those acts of kindness, those acts of service gives us a platform in other people's lives that we can share the good news of Jesus Christ with people. But we have, to, we have to take advantage of this opportunity that we allow other people to be, or consider other people better than ourselves. In order to take notice of others, you have to be interested in what's taking place in our own lives, in other people's lives. Now I will say this, COVID has interrupted us, not only our congregation, but it has inter- interrupted every congregation um, that meets across our nation. Um, we're not. We haven't done, and for the most part, since March of this year, we have not done community like we have been used to. Um, we're not gathered by the hundreds in, a, in, a, in the same room anymore. Um, we went from being in, in, in a, someone's home uh, or gathering together in a small group setting to basically going to to Zoom. And while we appreciate that technology, there is something about not being in the presence of one another. Um, that kind of just took away from that fellowship. We're learning as a church, and again, every church is learning this as well, is how do we do fellowship differently? How do we care for one another differently? Because COVID has kind of taken... Uh, us and, and has, has kind of isolated us from one another. And this is a, a wonderful time for us to say we're not going to allow COVID to, to, to identify us or, or hem us in as a church in regards to how we care for one another. To my knowledge, and, and I know there might be somebody uh, with a medical background in here today, but to my knowledge um, you can't get COVID by sending an instant message to someone. You can't get COVID by texting or picking up the phone and, and calling them and saying, hey, hey how are you doing? Um, you can't get COVID, now this is going to the stream, you can't get COVID by, by writing a note of encouragement and putting it in the mail. You see, we still as a body of Christ must take care of one another. And when there is a worldwide pandemic, we need to truly take care of one another in those moments. You see, because life doesn't stop. So in the midst of our COVID situation, and, and Tony has mentioned this before in his preaching, we, we have lost members of our church to death. There are, there, are, there are families that are struggling. There are people that are going through their personal hurts and brokenness. And they're still amongst us. Now, they may not be in our presence right here and here, but they're still with us. They're still connected with us in this church body, right? And so it's up to us to, to care for one another. It's up to us to love one another. It's up to us to put each other ahead of one another. Now, I, want, I did this in the first service, and they didn't do this. So I had to challenge them twice. But just take a look around you. Take a look around you. You're looking, as you're looking around this morning, there may be one person that your eyes set upon. You're saying, I need to encourage that person. I need to let that person know that they are loved. I need to let that person know that they are not alone. So, so this is a great way of using social media platform. Get on your social media. Wait until I'm done in a few moments, but get on your social media, right? And, 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 and send out a note of encouragement to that person. You may not know what's going on in their life, but God does. And maybe God would will, will use you to impress upon them to hang in there and that God's at work. There's something about reaching out and just showing that love and that concern that just, just does something in a person's heart. So let us be a a people that continue to care for one another. And I would also say this: that wherever God places you out in this week in your life, whoever God puts um, across your path, um, choose, choose to be concerned for others, choose to be kind towards others, choose to want to serve others. I, I love what Paul says in, in Philippians 4. He continues to go back to this attitude of humility and the, and the, and the action of serving one another in this letter of Philippians. In Philippians 4, 5, he says this, Celebrate God every day and make it clear as you can to all that you meet that you are on their side. That is how you care for another. When you, when you love one another, when you care for another, you're basically saying, I am here right with you at your side. I may not be with you in person at your side, but I am there for you. So hashtag care about others. And I'm telling you, that's going to speak volumes in our social media age. Second of all, and this is the fuel. This is the second point is the actual fuel to how we care for one another. And this is, it comes down to that we have to be people who choose Humility. Now, this is most difficult for us. And I will say this, that I too, we all struggle. Dave Meyer struggles. We all struggle with, with humility. Why? Because it's just ingrained, there's ingrained in this the sense of pride, the sense of I, I'm just important. Everyone needs to love me. I mean, I, I'll be honest with you. I mean, I, I've been suffering through uh, shingles for the past month. And there are times I wish... A group of people would just come by and feed me and uh, take care of me and vacuum my house and all that good stuff and didn't happen. But I, again, I struggle with the sense of my own pride, right? That I, I, I deserve that, which I, I don't deserve. There's something about humility that makes us very vulnerable in relationships, right? That, we're, that we put ourselves last. We put our needs last. And we're there for other people and that's what Paul's calling us to. Now listen, this is why we 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 ought to go the route of humility because in verse 5 he says to think of yourselves in the same way that Christ thought of himself and what Christ thought of himself was Christ was a man of humility. Now, I love that. In verse 5 it says, have this attitude in yourself which was also in Christ Jesus. Now one thing I think is very fascinating is that that Jesus was not forced to be humble. But He he chose to be humble. I wish we had time this morning to unpack um, verses 6-11 through because they contain some of the greatest, richest theology on on the person of Christ. But one thing that that stands out clearly to us, He chose to be a man of humility. It was His humility that allowed Him to forsake His equality with God and pave the way to the cross. Jesus purposely paved the way to the cross through His humility. His ability to love, and I'm going to show you this in a few moments, His ability to love us comes from His heart of humility. And so in doing so, we are to, to uh, reciprocate his mind, his heart, um, as people of humility. Now, Jesus chose. Jesus chose to be humble. And I love this about Jesus. He not only taught about humility, he taught about humility many times. But he also lived it out. What did he do on, his, on the last night that he was on earth before he went to the cross? He put a towel around himself. He got down on his knees and he he washed his disciples' feet as a bond bond servant would do. And what was the reaction to that? There was tremendous pride in the hearts of those disciples, especially Peter. And and they didn't want him to do it. But he said, said, listen, if if you want to be a part of me, then you've got to let me wash your feet. Humility. And not only did that, but in Matthew chapter 10... I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 20, verse 28. He says, The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve in order to be a ransom to many. Right? And so Jesus delighted in serving other people. And the reason he delighted in serving other people is because he chose to be a person of humility. Now, there's only one verse, and all of the gospel counts that give us a true description of the very heart of Jesus. Now, we have a lot of descriptions on how he went about doing ministry. And we have a lot of descriptions about his life in general. But there's only one verse in all the four Gospels that he speaks about what his, the, what his true inward heart truly is. And this is a personal testimony from Jesus. And, and Matthew chapter 11, verse 29, and I have it on the screen for us to read together, but I want us to read verse 28 as well because um, it goes so well together. Jesus says, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For, this is, listen, for I am gentle and humble of heart, and you will find rest in your souls. At the core of Jesus' being is humility. And, and we know this about Jesus. If, if his heart, if the core of his being is humility, then the core of, of the being of, our, of, of God is humility himself. Why? Because in, in Hebrews, it's, it speaks of the fact that Jesus is the exact, exact radiance of God the Father. So if Jesus says, I am gentle and humble of heart, then, then our God is also a God at the very core of his being, a God who is also gentle and humble as well. Now, you'll have to go away and think about that for a moment. How do we serve a God of, uh, who's humble? Well, as far as I know from the very beginning of Scripture and to the very end of Scripture, God is a God who pursues people who have nothing to do with him, right? (laughs) He rejects him, but he loves him. Why? Why would a God like that choose to love people like us? I believe that there is a part of that is due to his humility, right? So it's this humility of Christ that invites us, invites us who have been sucker punched by life, invites us to draw near to him. It's his gentleness that that calls out to those who are very, very far away from God, is saying, you know what, you are not untouchable. And I love you. Then the more you hate me, the more I love you. And why? Because Jesus says, I have a gentle and humble heart. It is it is his humility that he's that he's willing to serve us. And we've talked about this before in past messages, but our Savior today today serves us as he did those disciples on that Passover night. The heart of our God is a heart of humbleness. The heart of our Savior is a heart of humility. When we take on humility of Christ, we can share the love of Christ to those that are around us. But we have to be willing to be concerned for them. We have to be willing to say, your needs are important to me. Your brokenness is important to me. Your suffering is important to me. Your hardship is important to me. Your life matters to me. Why do all these things matter to me? Because you matter to Jesus. And so we, we serve one another as Christ serves us. And we take on humility Listen, when we take on the humility, the world will know that we are different. The world will know through our love for one another. This is what Jesus says, that when we love one another, the world will know that we are from him. When we love one another, when we care for one another, then we are connected with Christ. And and Jesus says, and the world, when the world sees how you do that, when the world sees you loving and care for one another in action with true humility, they will know that you are not of this world. There's something different about you that you are truly the followers of Jesus. It's it's possible, it's possible to reflect Christ in a social media world. It's possible to care for one another in a social media world. It is possible to live a life of humility in a social media driven world. You just have to make the right choice. Choose to care for one another and hashtag choose humility. Would you pray with me? Father, we come before you today and we thank you, Father God, for this message. I believe a message of encouragement to all of us. That, Lord, that you are a God who um, continues just to showcase your love to us um, through acts of serving, Lord, even in our own lives. There are things that you do for us, events that happen in our lives, moments that take place in our lives that we can all connect back to you being at work in our life. When you are at work in our life, Lord, it is you serving us. And we thank you, Lord, for that. We praise you, Father God, that you do that for us. But, oh, Lord, we just ask that you would help us to be men and women who would take up the concern of others and the care of others in our own church and those that you bring into our lives. So that in all things, Lord, you might be glorified, and that, Lord, that your kindness, and your gentleness, and your love may be showcased in our lives. Father, we pray that, Lord, that you would help us, help us, Lord, not to fall into that that vortex, that whirlpool, that our our culture around us continues to um, advertise and celebrate that. The 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 of the narcissistic life, or may we choose to put on the mind of Christ and choose a better way of living for your glory, for your renown. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Northridge Church podcast. If you'd like more information about Northridge Church, you can find us online mynorthbridge.org